we don't really care about what people say about us uh, mm -hmm. because we know dang well that every team that faces us is like, gosh dang, this is not gonna be fun. Hey everyone, welcome to Straight A's. I'm Shana Rubin and I'm so excited to start the season with you guys. On the pod this season, I'll be sharing candid interviews with players and discussions with media and A's fans. Now to my interview with A's opening day starter, Chris Bassett. First, I want to know how you're feeling after the early exit of Ohio State from the tournament. I know you're a fan. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I expected them to uh, lose early, but not that early. So <laughs> my bracket was not busted like a lot of people, but uh, um, didn't expect them to lose first round. I'll say that. Did you get to watch the game? No, I watched like the very like, end of it. Um, which is always their worst time. I, they just – they're not great at closing games just because I think they don't have a big guy, so they don't have an easy basket any, ever during the game. So it's, uh, it's always just pray at the very end of the game that they can hit, keep hitting shots, and unfortunately they couldn't. Hello, Chris. Thank you for joining me. Um, asked you a question before I introduce you. This is Chris Bassett. He's joining the pod for – a few minutes before he heads out to the ballpark uh, or the, the facility or whatever you've got to do today. Uh, I want to start with going back a year ago, which feels like forever ago now. Uh, yeah. I was able to see you guys in person in the clubhouse. Things were normal. Uh, I talked to you a little bit about sort of your undefined role on the team. And I don't know if undefined is the right word. It was defined in terms that was, you know, you can do what we, what we need you to do. And I know that in years past, that wasn't something that you knew how to come to terms with. And I'm wondering if you can sort of explain uh, what that was like for you to come to terms with an undefined role and how you're feeling now that you have more of a defined role and, and what it took for you to get from one place to another. Yeah, I mean, as crazy as it is, I still feel like my role is still not defined. Um, obviously, I'm starting this year, but I, I know I can do both. Um, so it's more so whatever the team needs. And right now, the team needs a starter. So I'm a starter kind of thing. So um, that aspect is pretty dang easy for me now. But I mean, obviously, I've had the past that I've had. Um, and I fought it, and I give all credit to basically Bomel and Emo in the front office here just because they kind of they kind of let me fight it a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. We had we had our bumps in the road to get to where we're at now. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, we, we've, I, I fought it a good amount. And But, I mean, it was them pulling me aside and having me come in the office and explain to me things and um, really allowing me to – somewhat mature um in the baseball sense and then also just in a personal sense um to kind of get where i'm at today but again i mean it definitely wasn't easy if you if you i'm sure if you ask bowman on them it's like yeah this kid's a headache a little bit in the past so uh um yeah i'm very thankful for the front office and bowman and emo for guiding me to to where i'm at how would you explain those bumps in the road because obviously from a fan perspective it sort of seems nebulous. How would you explain what you were going through mentally? I mean, I, I just, I, I felt at the time, I felt that the front office basically didn't think I was good enough to do either. That's what I, I that's what I thought was 
they weren't sure if I was good enough to be a starter. So they kind of wanted me to keep the door open to be in a reliever. And then I never did like really do a lot of relieving with them. So I'm like, well, I'm wasting my time if you want me to be a reliever because I'm not ever relieving. So, um, yeah, it was, I, I just felt like it was like I was in limbo and they didn't know what they wanted to do with me. And then not only that, I felt, like I said, I, I felt like I wasn't good enough. And I mean, that's more of a, a personal problem that I, I've, I've always somewhat had. It's just uh, me not being like self-confident myself, but always kind of questioning or being scared of somewhat failure, somewhat, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So that just uh, something, like I said, personal, everyone has like their own personal demons kind of thing. But I mean, that's just one of mine. So they had to kind of walk that through with me. Do you feel like coming to terms with those demons or eliminating the demons sort of helped you manifest what you've got going now? And obviously you, as you say, you don't have a solidified role. I think that that's, that's yeah. something that I guess all baseball players have to deal with all the time. But do you feel like you've been able to manifest something more solid for yourself? No, I think I've learned to just um, guide them in the right direction to take them and not make them a negative, but a positive. Um, I still have basically extreme anxiety of failure. Um, I don't, I, don't I, I always hear like the old like thing, like, well, the guy finally got money or guy got paid or guy got a role and something. So now he can, he's like comfortable. Hmm. Like there is, I don't know if there's something in this game that can make me comfortable with thinking about having a bad year or thinking about failing or think about losing a game. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what it would take for me to get rid of those feelings, but I'm sure, sure as heck not close yet. So, uh, yeah, that I think, and I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, right. I think there's a lot of people that have an extreme fear of basically failing in this game and looking bad and stuff like that. But I mean, it's 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 hard to look good when you don't know your role. So hmm. that's what I was fighting so much for in the past because I just I wanted to be wanted to be good, and when you don't know what you are, it's hard to be good at what you don't know. It's a strange feeling to be battling in your head when you're trying to do a job that's very specific that requires entirely on performing on a stage how much do you feel like you've grown in that capacity like do those feelings those you said those feelings still creep up in your head but do you feel like it's less how do you how do you make the leap no yeah i mean they're every single day i mean you have anxieties about the next start you have anxieties about um how last year went how last year ended it's more so i mean if you win a game it's like that's good and great. I can kind of sleep well at night, but if you lose a game, it's like you don't sleep the whole night. Um, so it's just the, how you, how, basically how you handle failure. Um, everyone's different. Mm -hmm. um, I know, I mean, we're all just extreme competitors at this level. So, I mean, failing is definitely not easy, but it's just how can you let go of that failure to get to the next game? And that's something that I've, I've kind of learned to simplify and accept and move on. But I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I still battle like crazy. <clears throat> I want to uh, transition to a slightly different topic, but it has a lot to do with roles in pitching roles in baseball. Uh, going back to the world series, uh, Blake Snell, the Dodgers, uh, people were shocked to see that 
Blake Snell was pulled from the World Series, and I'm sure you were watching. And we saw the last few years that uh, bullpens in the playoffs have become used differently, and it's become a central part of the story, pitching and, and sort of a undefined way that pitching roles are changing in the playoffs. Uh, what was your reaction to Snell getting pulled uh, while pitching a good game? And what do you think of the way that pitching roles have, have changed over the last few years, especially in the postseason? Yeah, I, mean, I, I when I came up, it was you're going six innings basically no matter what. You have to go six innings, get six innings. You give up four in the first inning, get to six innings somehow. And that's how I was basically brought up with the White Sox. It was they were they were huge in starters eating innings, and it was just the old school mentality of listen, this is my game. Um, give me the ball and let me go as far as I can possibly go. Um, and then obviously baseball has transitioned into bullpens being almost, I mean, they almost eat just as many innings as starters, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, when it comes to like Blake Snell being pulled, uh, if you have a guy with that caliber, I want that guy to have the ball as long as he can. I mean, that's just, that's just my opinion. I know how good he is and I, I mean, if I'm a teammate, I want Blake Snell to have the baseball. It's really that simple. Were you watching that game? Yeah, I mean, I I think we were watching. I think we were all watching it together. I think I'm not sure where I was at, but I remember. I do remember. I was yes, I was watching it. All together, meeting with with teammates. Yeah, but I'm not sure where we were at when that happened. But yeah, oh. I, I do I do know we I do know we were we were watching that, but um, I'm not sure where I was at. What was the, the teammates' reaction to seeing that? It's just, I mean, I think it's a universal thing that if you have a guy that's that good, he has to have the ball. I mean, he just has to. Because, I mean, when Blake Snell comes out of the game, you have to understand the other, the other team is saying, all right, now, I mean, that's one guy we just knocked off. And, like I said, he just, he's way too good. He's, he's, he's way too good. Do you feel like what happened after that was inevitable, or do you see, do you see the thought behind the Rays thinking process? Uh, oh, I mean, when the, doing the, that, the Rays, the Rays bullpen is one of the best in the league. There's no debate in that. I mean, so I mean, you they weren't replacing Blake Snell with with somebody that was just hanging on kind of thing. They're replacing Blake Snell with a, an absolute stud. But uh, again. If you have if you have a a guy with Blake Snell's capabilities, I want him to have the ball. It, it don't it don't matter who you're bringing in. It's slightly underrelated, but it reminds me of something that uh, that Jake Diekman actually said a few days ago, a few weeks ago. He said, uh, "In the balance of analytics and gut instincts, which I guess can tr can translate in how a pitcher does and how pitchers are coached." Uh, he said, "It's a double-edged sword." If you get too analytical and you can't feel anything, you're shit out of luck. If you're all about feel and you don't listen to anal analytics, you're also stuck. How do you balance, as a pitcher, how do you balance what you're hearing analytically and what you're feeling instinctually, especially when you brought up maybe not considering the, all of the influx of information that you're getting now? Yeah, I think, I think human interaction and I think human instincts are getting taken out of the game by numbers just straight numbers but i think 
luckily for our organization with Oakland, yes, we are an analytical organization, but at the same time, we have Bowmel there to basically be that human guide for us. Um, we have Emo there to be our guide for us. We have Bushy there to be our guide for us. So the numbers are a tool. The numbers aren't God. And I think a lot of, um, and I'm not saying organizations, but like you see a lot of colleges, you see a lot of uh, just rap soto people and trackman people that the numbers are have turned to God for the game of baseball. It, that that's just so so wrong on so many levels that you still have to have the human. I mean, we're humans. You have to have the human interaction. You have to understand the human dynamic of a clubhouse. You have to understand the human dynamic of uh, the pitcher that day, uh, what the pitcher's feeling, how the pitcher is feeling about this pitch. And the numbers can tell you whatever you want, but if a pitcher, say I'm not comfortable that day with my curveball, I don't care if the analytics are saying throw 12 curveballs. I'm not comfortable, comfortable with it that day. So, um, again, it, Yes, the numbers are a very, very good tool, but they are not the tool. Has that ever happened where, obviously nothing's cut and dry, but where you, you've gotten a report or scouting report and you said, if you throw a curveball to this hitter, then, then you're good. Uh, and you just were like not feeling it. How do you sort through that dilemma? Is it easy? Uh, yeah, I think it's very easy just because of how good emo is with it. Um, mm. we, we have that, I would say that's, every single start we have yeah. something on a guy that says listen this guy can't hit for me say it's a cutter in or a curveball down in a way or whatever it may be and I'm just like listen I will take that advice but I might not have that pitch this day we've been working on that and I'm still not comfortable with it hopefully I'm in the game but if I'm not I'm not we need plan b for that guy so um emo is extremely good at again understanding the numbers, but then also understanding the human on the mound. I want to know um, who you think has the best stuff, just stuff-wise, on, on your team. Mm -hmm. Best stuff. I'm about to, I mean, from a starter, just all, all around. All around. Yeah, I'm about to, I'm about to go with JB, JB Wendelkin. Mm. I think his – his stuff and what he can do, he basically has three or four plus pitches. And I don't think anyone else on our staff has four plus pitches. So I think JB is JB is the guy that has the best stuff on our team. Yeah, he's he's sneaky nasty. Just from what yeah. I've seen. If you uh, watch him, he's not too sneaky if you watch him. He's <laughs> he's, he's unhittable if you if he's if he's on right. Right. Uh, you've you've faced a couple of your own teammates in the backfields this spring. Who's been the toughest out? Olsen. Not really that close right you now. Olsen is Olsen's a different animal this spring training. Um, yeah, he's not fun to face right now, and hopefully that goes throughout the season. What do you think's clicked in for him? Because obviously he had a tough year last year. What do you think uh, has changed with him? He just – so he's just so comfortable in the box right now. I think last year he was thinking a lot and he was in between swings or, I mean, I'm not honestly specific of what he was dealing with last year, but mm -hmm. um, this year he just looks so free, like mentally free in the box that he's just, he's laying off the pitches he needs to lay off. He's swinging at the pitches he needs to swing at. And then 
when you make that mistake, he's not missing it. So um, when you have that aspect of a guy not swinging at bad pitches, and then you have the aspect of him hammering pitches he needs to hammer, it's, it's a bad combo for a pitcher to face. And that's, that's Olsen right now. What is it like to face Matt Chapman? Uh, it's, it's a very, I would say it's very fun. I like, I, I'm not going to lie. I like facing these guys a lot because it kind of gives me a look of how I would face them in the future. If they were ever not on my team, I'll give you that. Um, hmm. And I, I'll say, I, I'll say this. I have learned a lot because my success right now versus Chapman is not that good. So uh, <laughs> I'm learning what not to throw Chapman. I'll just say that. I was. I want to say, what do you not throw Chapman? But I don't know if you want to expose yeah, that to the I'm world. Not, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell that. I'm not gonna tell that. You've got intel that maybe a lot of other teams don't have. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll say this. I still haven't figured it out. So if anyone else wants to tell me, go, come on. I'll, I'll take the. I need it. What about uh? What about Sean Murphy? I I feel like when I watch Sean Murphy in person, I I have to explain to other people how his power, like when he gets a hold of the ball, how different it is from other hitters. Like, I think Olsen has similar power, but how do you explain the kind of power that, that someone like Sean Murphy has? He's just, he's way bigger than people, than people know. When you, until you stand next to Sean Murphy, he's a, uh, he's a giant human being playing catcher, which is not common. I know like Perez with the, with the Royals, he's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Besides that, I can't only think of a massive catcher like Murphy. Um, Mur- I mean, Murph- Murph's power is out of this world. But again, if you just stand next to him, you're like, my gosh, this big human. So uh, it doesn't surprise you when you stand next to him that this guy can hit a ball a mile. I want to know if you can verbalize or put into any sort of words what it's like to face Mike Trout uh, in that bat. Uh, I want to say almost like a video game just because I feel like, I mean, I mean, you don't like idolize people, but the way that Mike Trout like carries himself and the way that he makes just greatness common, just, I mean, just watching him is like, gosh, dang, like this guy has the game just so figured out. So like facing him is the apex of the cat and mouse game of, he can get me at any point and I'm just hoping that it's not right now. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's the ultimate basically fear factor when you're facing Mike Trout. Could be wrong, but I feel like I've seen a couple of your cat and mouse games and I think you got him once on a curveball. Have you? I don't, I'm not sure. I really, I, I basically just get out of those ABs and I run away. (laughs) Thank God I got away with that one. But, uh, He's definitely got me a couple times, and I've gotten him a couple times. That's that's fair, and probably something that you're happy with, given it's Mike Trout. Yeah, but I'll, I'll take one less home run or two. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Who's the toughest at bat that you faced, and in, in any other team? Carlos Correa, not close. Mm. Carlos Correa is unbelievable at hitting, and I think he's he is one of the best hitters in the league. And people don't really understand that. How do you uh, – is it similar to Trout, or what's, what's different about, about Correa's at bat? His hand speed's so good. Um, so, I, I obviously, I throw a lot of sinkers in, um, mm-hmm. and he can – I mean, 
um, the majority of the league can't handle that, but he can. His hands are just so good. His play discipline's very good. His arms are obvious. He's obviously a big, like a big hitter, like tall-wise. So his, his arms are long, so he can handle the outside corner with basically any pitch. But then for being as tall as he is and like as long as he is, he shouldn't be able to get inside pitches the way he does, but he does. And it's definitely a pain in the butt to face him. Who do you think is going to have a breakout year on the A's this year? Breakout year. Could be someone that already had a breakout year and is going to come out and have another one maybe. I mean, the, the, the obvious, the obvious answer is Chapman just mm-hmm. because I think people people have kind of written him off a little bit. Obviously, the A's media and the A's fans haven't, but I think overall people kind of just said, all right, this was his numbers or blah, blah, blah. He's, he's world-class, and I think he's going to prove everyone this year how good he is again. And, I mean, if he doesn't win a platinum glove again this year, I, I'd be shocked. I mean, speaking as someone who's watched a lot of A's games at this point, it – it seems like sometimes I'm watching you guys play and, and I feel like there should be more national excitement around what you guys are doing. And there should be more, there should be more eyeballs watching what you guys are doing live. Uh, does that ever, does that ever get to you guys? Or how do you, how do you take sort of the way that the A's are in the national spotlight? Cause I think that that's sort of an unspoken or very spoken truth about the organization is that, Maybe they don't get the shine that they deserve, especially on the baseball field. How do you, how do you deal with with how the organization is portrayed nationally? Yeah, I, I think we just kind of like laugh it off at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, we see the projections. We see the projections of how many wins the people think we're going to have, and individual numbers and stuff like that. And it's like we didn't lose anyone, and you guys are projecting us to have a 500 year. So. I don't know what baseball team you're watching. So it's just at, – at this point, it's just laughable. At the, I mean, that's the reality of it. Do you guys thrive – I, mean, I don't know if underdog is the right word because I don't think that you guys are necessarily underdogs, but maybe just underestimated. But do you guys thrive off that? No. And the only reason I say no is because I, I think the media portrays us as an underdog, but no team does. So, yeah. I mean – we don't really care about what people say about us uh, mm-hmm. because we know dang well that every team that faces us is like, gosh, dang, this is not going to be fun. So, I mean, as long as we have the respect of our peers kind of thing, I think you can't really be mad at the media. That's true. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we're, hopefully you guys can't get too mad at us. Um, <laughs> how, how are you feeling about this team overall? Do you feel like it's better or worse than, Last, I don't know, worse. Do you feel like it's better than last year's team or, or the same? Or what are your expectations? I think just off the bat, I think we are a better team. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not so much based – that's not a knock on last year's team or anything like that. Obviously, we lost mm-hmm. studs. But um, it's just the experience that we all have now. I mean, you have Lazardo with one more year of experience. You have me and Manaya, and you have Montas with one more year of experience. You have – all of our hitters, the NL West and the AL West are an absolute gauntlet to face. And we faced it all last year. And that's not saying that we benefited. I think the NL West and the AL West benefited, benefited from it last year. 
um, just because of how tough the schedule was every single game. I mean, there wasn't really a break. I think we're a better team just because of the experience that we've, we've basically got from last year. Obviously, the playoff win with, against the White Sox was huge for us. But again, it's just um, experience is something that you can't buy. I mean, you have to go through it to live through it you have to play through it and then the next year you get in the same situation and the the moment is not as big as the year past so um I, yeah I, I think there's zero reason we shouldn't be a better team than last year cool we can end it on that <laughs> thank cool. you so much chris i really appreciate it no problem thank you Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you so much to Chris Bassett for joining the show. You can follow me all season long on Twitter at Shana Rubin, or you can follow my A's coverage on the Mercury News. Till next time.